0: Dreams. Hello and welcome to this new edition of the Mormon Stories Podcast. My name is John DeLynn. Welcome, thanks for listening. Uh, as you know, you can find us at mormonstories.org or you can email us at MormonStories@gmail.com. at gmail.com uh, It's very exciting to uh, have you guys listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the past two podcasts that we've had so far. Um, today we sort of bring to you a bit of a different podcast. Let me give you a little bit of background or history. Uh, one of the phenomenons in the LDS church that I see as being uh, most significant is the following scenario. A young person, maybe in their 20s or 30s, is called to be a Sunday school teacher or a seminary teacher, early morning seminary or whatever, and decides they want to learn a little bit more about their history. So they start going to Google. And googling for information about Mormon, Mormonism, Mormon studies, LDS history, and they quickly come upon anti-Mormon websites, uh, exmormon.org, uh, postmormon, um, A View from the Foyer, ZLMB, the Tanners. Uh, there's lots of lots of forums out there. Some of them are liberal Mormons. Some of them are anti mormon Some of them are post-Mormon, ex-Mormon, etc. But what's um, pretty certain is that after a significant amount of time on the web, a lot of these LDS folk become discouraged, um, become confused, feel disenchanted that uh, the facts of the history or the stories about the history don't add up to what they were taught, what they were led to believe when they were young. And some of them end up making a relatively quick exit from the church and leave the church altogether. A small percentage of these people actually become anti-Mormon, or at least that's what the label would denote, which means that they uh, not only leave the church, but decide that they're going to do their best to help other people leave it as well. Um, I think it's very easy within the church to use labels to stereotype and to stigmatize people. I think the X and the anti-Mormon labels or apostate labels have been used rather freely to this to this end and while i i, I do believe that that there are uh, people who have ill will or ill intent i believe that in many instances these labels of anti mormon or ex mormon or whatever are unproductive uh, i I've, I've talked with many people who have left the church and i find virtually all of them to be very sincere in some cases they're the most uh uh some of the most intelligent people I've met in the church and in some instances they're some of the most honest people I've met in the church uh, this may sound controversial but just think about it for a second um, it's it's pretty much a well-known fact that reading detailed factual LDS history is something that we're warned against and sometimes uh, can we're warned that can lead to apostasy well who is it that would seek uh, To read some of this history. It's usually the people who, A, really care about the church and want to learn more about it. Uh, So the seeking, thoughtful type. But secondly, it's the people who have high integrity, who are honest, who want to make sure that what they're teaching is right, that what they believe is right. Uh, And so in many cases, it's the thoughtful, honest people that end up working themselves out of the church. Whereas many of the people who stay in And this is not all, but many uh, simply don't care to learn the history because the history and the background isn't important to them. Um, In addition, um, there are also a a fair number of people in the church, I I suppose, who stay in, uh, whether or not they care that it's true or valid or factual, but they just sort of are along for the ride, so to speak. So this is a long way of saying that I, I believe that it's not It's not uh, of use to label people as anti-Mormon in in most instances. And I don't think it's necessarily what Christ would do. Uh, Instead, I think that he would sit down with these people, uh, get to know them personally, ask them about their issues, ask them about their feelings. um, At a minimum, try and reach out to them and fellowship them. uh, But most importantly, try and understand them and learn from them and figure out uh, whatever caused them to leave, how those things can be fixed to keep others from leaving or to bring other people back who have left. So in that spirit, I've decided to do uh, at least a two-part series on uh, people that would be labeled as anti-Mormon. Today we've brought on a fellow who's going by a pseudonym. Uh, The name uh, that he's chosen is Hiram. Hiram uh, is a... uh, Young man, he's married, returned missionary, and he actually runs a website called The True dot com, uh, which has an accompanying podcast that he does with a fellow by the name of Mike Norton. And I've come to know uh, Hiram um, through my correspondence uh, about his podcast, uh, as he's a member of the Mormon podcast community. And I I asked him if he wouldn't mind coming on uh, coming on the show. The purpose of this podcast is simply to have Hiram tell us uh, his story, uh, his childhood, growing up, um, where he came from, uh, his early years in the church, and then most importantly, give us a little bit of the background on uh, why he decided to leave and and what sort of fuels him today to do the things that he does with his website. So I hope you enjoy the show and i hope you understand that the spirit of this presentation is to come to understand and empathize um with those who decide to leave uh purely with the intent of one loving them and uh, and valuing them and not ostracizing them and ex you know sort of expunging them from our community but also to see what we can do to try and keep this from happening from those who who uh maybe learn some of the history learn some of the facts but choose to stay in the church one thing I should warn you about briefly is that um, in just a few seconds, this, the sound quality of this podcast, especially on my end, is going to drop quite low. Um, Hiram and I did this uh, podcast really late at night. I didn't have all my equipment with me at the time, and so I Skyped in to his his uh, sound booth and didn't have a very good microphone. So please forgive my audio um, uh, in just a few seconds, but... Without any further ado, we'd like to uh, welcome Hiram onto this podcast. Hiram, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, thank you very much, John. I appreciate the the welcome um, and the, <laughs> the wee hours of the night. Um, thanks for having me. It's, it's we, a lot of we, fun.
0: We might even be able to consider this morning now. That it's, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, how lovely was the morning. Yes. it's. We're trying to keep our eyelids open. And, anyway, thanks for having me, though, and it's a pleasure to be on with someone so articulate, and especially a fellow podcaster. Uh, It's great to be here.
0: Yes, well, I definitely aspire to being articulate, but I appreciate the kind words.
1: Oh, you're much more articulate than me. You'll be hearing me say, uh, 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 quite a bit through this podcast. Suffer with me. Bear with me.
0: My goal is to never say sort of, so you can track me and I'll track you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I, uh, so sort of, I have to admit that uh, I've I've listened to every one of your guys' podcasts so far.
1: Congratulations! I'm glad you made it through. We'll give you a gold medal. I no, I think I, that they're out of the tickets for the bash. The bash already happened. It, yeah. Unless they have a time machine, they wouldn't be able to award you any of those. But congratulations! Did you what what kind of are your thoughts? We'll get a quick feedback from you what do you think oh
0: well i think they're definitely entertaining and they're fun i think they're definitely well produced um and you know my my favorite part has has been the interviews and i found uh, all your interviews to be interesting me that's what that's what this podcast is all about i I mean i just i want to gather as many stories as i can from around mormondom and and try and just help people communicate where they're coming from and why they feel the way they do. And you guys do a really good job of that. So
1: Thanks. And you, I haven't heard your interview. Um, I have listened to your first podcast and extremely well done. Loved it. You were all by yourself. And frankly, I don't mention names or anything of other podcasts, but there have been many, not necessarily dealing with Mormonism, but some, yes, that have bored me to death. And others, uh, there's one out there in particular that I listen to faithfully. <laughs> the pun is back. But um, I anyway, yours is well done. I'm excited to hear the interview that you did with the author. What's the name again?
0: It's uh, Gregory Prince and the Rise of Modern, uh, David O. McKay and the Rise of Modern Mormonism.
1: So you interviewed this Gregory Prince, and he is the r- author of The Rise of Modern Mormonism, the kind of a biography of sorts of David O. McKay.
0: Yep, he's actually the co-author, but I think he's the principal author. Yeah. That's too cool. See, I yeah. get
1: uh, how hard is it for me to just, you know, scrape off the street, <laughs> your average ex-Mormon, <laughs> to get him on the show. But you got, I'm, I'm sorry. No, our past guests have been all sorts of fun. I, <laughs> they were. I, I want to get Polygamy Porter back on. We keep getting comments about his show. Anyway i'm glad to be here um your label introduction was wonderful i think it's the same thing um this podcast for the listeners of our show it's obviously going to be missing mike he's not here i i don't know i think you two have talked about probably doing something similar to what you and i are doing right now with him alone you you voiced uh kind of a desire to have us be separated so that it'd be more personal which it is but uh Anyway, our my list the uh, the listeners of the Church Is Not they're gonna realize that this podcast has a much more personal tone. Yours, uh, a lot more humble and anyway, I'm I guess you invited me to to talk about the story, but it, so whatever you want to ask me, I, oh, I do feel cool. I do feel thankful to be here. Anyway,
0: excellent. Well, good. Well, thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for coming on yeah so um, so what I want to do is sort of trace trace your story um, as as personal um, and as emotional, not in terms of blubbering, but I mean just as, as from the heart as you're able to give I, I'd love to just ask you some questions about your journey and about where you are now and and um, and just you know more than anything the, the point is just to sort of help the listeners understand. You know what makes you feel the way you feel, do the things you do, etc. Sure, so I. F- oh, go ahead.
1: No, I. That's great. Um, a lot of the listeners of the podcast, and especially people out there, communities out in bulletin boards and things, there were some rumors surrounding, and not just rumors, but kind of some speculation surrounding things that were going on in my life, and kind of how that tied in a little bit with recent goings-ons with Mike um, Norton, and so. This story wasn't going to be told for a long time, and pretty much I congratulate you the the your podcast and your invitation to me has brought it to light much quicker than what it would have been so anyway
0: <laughs> well let's well that's uh, I'm excited to hear so let's just start out tell us a little bit about your early years. you know uh you know your early years in the church, were you born in the church, raised in the church? Talk us up through, let's say, you know, the age 19.
1: Okay. Um, uh, If I ever post the uh, infamous exit letter, it kind of tells this story. But um, I was born in the church. I'm the great, great, great grandchild of Reynolds Cahoon and the great, 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 I think there's another great grandchild of Hiram Smith. Um and and anyway so there goes the hiram that's why that was chosen So
0: you're a direct descendant of Hiram Smith
1: Yeah I mean <laughs> the polygamy makes it happen you know It's sure. not that hard but to be a descendant of But um yeah uh so I I do have mormon roots and definitely I appreciate as I'll go on to say the the values that I was taught and I and I'll always be a mormon and that's kind of your label thing but you know people that are even ex mormon if you have been raised in mormonism where you've been confronted with the question of either a testimony um or what oh, wouldn't be a testimony you, you can't escape that you you're a mormon either it's ex or or active it, or whatever
0: but it's kind it's kind of like a, a culture it in addition to being a religion, just like someone's Jewish, they may convert to Christianity, but it's almost in some ways an ethnicity in a culture sure. as, as yeah, well as a potential belief system. Exactly.
1: And the more cynical side of whatever, the podcast, or my personal views and opinions, I mean, you got to grab out those first letters of that word culture, and yeah, you know, in the ex-Mormon community or anti, we say that Mormonism is a cult, and we draw those those lines or whatever. But yeah, there's a there's a definite social factor that's very different than other religions. Um and some people say it's a great thing and and others don't. But yeah, so I was brought up in the church, um
0: And were you were you raised in Utah then?
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay. Never li- never lived outside of Utah other than the mission and I only visited other states when my siblings moved there to get their higher education or whatever
0: um so you so you you did the primary thing growing up you yep your parents were active your parents were absolutely active, you were active absolutely do you remember do you remember like um in your early years were you into it did you love the song, primary songs i mean were you yeah that's a good remember, question do you remember trying to memorize all your articles of faith and
1: yeah that's a great question um I remember being a valiant bee. I think that's kind of when the first recollections come that I was being taught lessons. I remember distinctly, and I haven't talked about this to very many people, but I remember those cartoons. The cartoons with the animated, you know, that they try to sell for a fortune in the malls. Yeah, still. the the, li- the living scriptures. Living scriptures, yeah. And the big noses where everyone has those huge right, gargantuan yeah. noses. That's the right, trademark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I love those, man. I ate those up. I put those in. I plopped them in, and I loved the i can remember the nephi ones distinctly the ones about building the boat and whatever as it got into more of the obscure book of mormon stories that kind of my interest would fade and wane but then i'd like the bible ones every once in a while about especially the birth of christ i remember that one so yeah that was my primary experience um and then we start getting into the deacon's quorum that's kind of when it uh, when it got interesting um it was cool. It was in, It was cool to see other scouts, when they brought in the scouting program, that they would go on the scout camps and see them have spiritual experiences. Um, that was neat, to be able to see other youth, uh, you know, recognize God and, and see that that was a special thing in their lives. And for me, too, um, sure, I, I'm not going to deny that there were spiritual experiences. Whether that makes the church true or not isn't the question, but... Those are there, yeah. I, you know. So,
0: so you do, you do remember. So you remember um, studying or praying or being at youth conferences or scout meetings or whatever, and feeling, feeling strong things that at the time you probably associated with the Holy Ghost and sure and, and your testimonies.
1: Absolutely, yeah. There were times when yeah, you're brought to tears. Um, whether I decide to make excuses for it now or whatever, yeah. Yeah, there there are times when you're you really feel you know wow this is overpowering I, I feel good, I feel like this is something that's y- y- there's a bigger thing out there and, and I feel privileged. A lot of it is a blessing, you know. I feel not that I'm better than others, but yeah, you know, I've been blessed with a great family and a knowledge of God or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. How how central was the church in your in your overall family? I mean, did you guys? Study the scriptures regularly. Was there a family home evening? Great were question. Parents, great question. Were your parents totally hardcore um, yeah. serving?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, of course, and I don't mean to say this for you to dodge other future questions. Don't think of that at all. I have to be kind of careful, obviously. Yeah. Um. With oh no, yeah, uh, yeah. However much I reveal, anyway, yeah, definitely my family. I'll just say there were um, callings that not everyone receives, um, to family of mine that was very close immediate family anyway um but yeah the thing that i think we had more difficulty with because of jobs or whatever was the family home evening we didn't do that much but we read every single morning faithfully they they would wake us up and we would read the book of mormon faithfully and we would and i talk about this in the exit letter anyway they i was you know i was reading see spot run and at the same time my family's waking me up and helping me sound out Coriantum -er. so the Book of Mormon definitely helped me be able to read but so that starts my thing too I'm a deacon and I'm reading I'm sounding out these words and you know learning how to be a studious person but at the same time I'm trying to figure out why is this book of God talking so much about war but that's just a question I pushed off whatever and then um Something kind of strange happened, um, and this is kind of where it starts to go. There there was an emphasis when I was a deacon in the deacon's quorum about sexual purity. Um, anyway, I remember one deacon president, or president, whatever they call him, quorum teacher guy, and he was an ex-bishop. He made comments about um what what are some of the sexual transgressions out there and mind you I, a deacon in the mormon religion means that you're 12 and 13 and he was he actually introduced us to people that commit bestiality um and i i still don't feel good about that frankly i mean if i were to have my child go and attend the mormon church i wouldn't like that being told, So he, then. he kind
0: of went into too much depth. <laughs> yeah, 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 and you. So get, it was almost. It was almost you were. Oh, I was your repulsed. sexual awakening was being uh, was being driven from church. <laughs>
1: exactly. I well, and you laugh about it, and I do too now. But inside, it's it still
0: hurts. <laughs> no, yeah. It, so you felt like your your innocence was. Sort I of, felt
1: dirty even back yeah. then. I'm like, what in the world? You know, I I'm I'm worried about dodgeball or how to, you know, turn the combination correctly on my gym locker. <laughs> right. And and I'm being taught in a place of God about such things. Now, that might not seem too serious. Time moves on. My great-grandmother passed away, and that was really moving for me. I mean, we were really close to even extended family like that. Visited them all the time. So I was envisioning how heaven would be, okay, and the whole Mormon thing about families can be together forever okay great and there's a little bit of an introduction when a client or when a person is that age about the three kingdoms of glory but when i got into seminary um there was spiritual experiences there too they show the lamb of god video and you see the spikes going into jesus's hand and it's really moving and oh my goodness and but at the same time i was taught you know about the three kingdoms of glory and actually told in seminary in an, as a ninth grade student that the highest kingdom of the celestial kingdom is where you would be able to have sexual relations and i again i was just kind of like well why why is this a running emphasis the the sexual part of the afterlife you know i'm picturing my grandma now Great grandma passed away, and yet now I'm having to picture doing weird things in heaven. And, and I know that's morbid, that really is weird. I shouldn't have gone off to that thought process, but yet in my mind, I'm thinking, why? Why? So your, does sem- it your
0: seminary teacher actually said that, yes. those one of the bennies of highest degree of celestial kingdom is, yeah, the ability to procreate and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and he's showing us, you know, things that say it, sources. I mean, it was involved. I'm, I'm, and that's where I get to my point that that started me to doubt um, and started me investigating more about the church. Later so this on, this is in, ninth. This is ninth grade. Ninth grade. Yeah. Okay. The rest of my seminary career, I latched on literally almost like a leech to issues that I could see that that kind of caused me to go. Wait a second that didn't make complete sense the church is so black and white about some issues but the gray areas that they don't want to answer i would think to myself why and i'm not trying to prove the church wrong i just wanted an answer quote unquote i mean it was one of my questions but there were a lot of them you know i would we had our was it 10th or 11th grade seminary teacher that showed us the logo the new jesus christ logo and he frankly said i mean there was no trying to deny it We are trying to make it so that the rest of the world sees that we want to emphasize Jesus Christ. We need to be more mainstream. And so whether, again, whether that makes the church true or not, it's something that stuck into my mind um, and made me go, that's odd.
0: It felt kind of disingenuous to you or a little bit too marketing-y for yeah what would be God's church?
1: sure and and anyway, those are just things that I caught onto in seminary i mean and in my last year of seminary, there was some weird things with the last person guest that we had on the show, he was a friend of mine who wasn't a member at the time we've had and anyway, I went through things where seminary teachers are telling us, don't hang out with non member friends, and I'm not trying to say this to. Again, to get any listeners to think, wow, you know, the church isn't true. What I'm getting at is things that got to me that made me feel, wait a second. Sure. Anyway, so I was told not to hang out with people that weren't members of the church. And then I even raised the question, well, wait, I have these friends and what if I help convert them? Am I, Do I just not hang out with them? And, and so then his response back to me was, well, okay, but it's really who you spend most of your weekends with, you know, most of your time. Your friends that you're really devoted to, basically, is what he was saying. They should be members of the church, and it got to me. And in whatever his intentions were, it, it didn't. It didn't sit right with me. Um.
0: Anyway, but sure. it, yeah. So let me ask you two two quick questions. No problem. Just just to get both sides were were there also moments in seminary of inspiration of yeah you know exactly. were you also at the same time building parts of your testimony even not a mormon testimony but just were you was it enhancing your spirituality were you also having exciting things you learned about you know yes. was there was yeah. there a counterbalance to that at all
1: yeah um i really enjoyed not that i thought that i was being better than the other religions or that i would one day be able to bash them but i really enjoyed the thing that i thought you know i'm getting more knowledge about this i really am gaining an absolute understanding of the bible when they when the when the seminary teachers would help us understand what the mormon church um uh professes that maybe this bible scripture means you know i would i would really enjoy that study and go wow you know i i'm really getting a knowledge of maybe what things really mean so i trusted it that's what it was i didn't know the church was true or have that testimony per se i i trusted it and i felt good that i was actually being taught something that was told it was right
0: did you ever in high school d- try and take on the Moroni challenge and kneel down read the read the Book of Mormon completely and have that what I think is sometimes a disservice but sort of the expectation that in one instance you read the book you kneel down, you pray and then you get the answer. Did, did you ever even try that experiment? High school, I
1: wouldn't say I was motivated to need to do that. Right. Uh, I was told that it was true, and I didn't feel that I was banking off of somebody else's testimony, my parents' testimony. I just felt I didn't need to know that. I knew. I felt that it was true. It was the only thing I knew. Um, and you didn't even consider an alternative. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's that's. And not... i would read the Book of Mormon many times through with my family, right. mind you. Every single morning I was waking up. People don't understand this about my family. When they. We were waking up at five o'clock in the morning every morning as teenagers, and our parents would drag us out, and and we would read from the Book of Mormon. So definitely, I had a very uh, ingrained uh, whatever of the Book of Mormon. Sure. Um. So, like, it's interesting that you said bring me up to when you were
0: nineteen. Okay, wait. Before you jump in, I have one last question about high school. Okay, I, I, I grew up outside of Utah, and there are all these sort of stereotypes of who I said sort of. Oh, I said it again. Uh, sorry, that's a money. <laughs> that's a money python reference. Remember the nights who say me? Yeah, yeah. Me? Oh, I said it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so so there's this sort of stereotype that uh, that Utah Mormons, a lot of them don't really take the church seriously in high school, and they party but then they clean it all up and go on a mission kind of thing. Um, and I don't want you to reveal what you're not comfortable, but, like, you know, I was a hardcore, never touched alcohol, never touched tobacco. Oh, totally, good question. Good know, question. So were you were you sort of a social Mormon in high school, or were you hardcore? How would you have characterized your your behavior socially as a matrix back to Mormonism?
1: That's a great question. Um I'm not exactly sure how much I'm going to be comfortable with what I'm about to tell you, but I'll avoid the things as much as I can. Uh, when I was in junior high, there was an issue with some members in the ward that were my best friends. And I was, it sounds like such a cliche word, but I was betrayed by them. Um, it was quite serious, um, unexpected to say the least. And so during high school, um, I was well, I don't know, kind of like what you would say a Mormon outside of Utah would be where I had friends then that were uh um not members of the church because I I didn't basically those best friends that I had that were members of the ward had betrayed me or whatever so I just stayed away from them and and my Basically, my my main group of friends, like I was saying before, were not Mormon, so I had to stand up for what I believed, and yet I didn't, I didn't do it. I, I took on a gutter mouth. Um, I would swear, but maybe when they were inclined to check out some dirty things on the computer, I would say nah, and I would leave. Um, literally, I remember that happening, and also. Um, i would encourage them to go to seminary even with all these lingering questions and which i jumped jump back to but my main question about the church was why the emphasis on the sexual things and i'll get back to it in a second but okay okay so cool. yeah i stood so you're up for the
0: you you were alienated from sort of your your ward um sort of but group i still of went peers. and so but i yeah i but you felt almost like an outsider within your ward absolutely and and that made you almost act as though you were a non-Utah kind of LDS person trying to represent the church well and be a with good With my r- other f- real friends other who
1: happened friends. to be non-Mormon. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay,
1: cool. Okay. So 19, 19 comes along. By that time, I was in the musical um, w- project with the guy that was on last time. And like he was saying, pretty much that group of friends – Almost all of them in that little project that weren't members of the church ended up joining, not necessarily because of me. Like he said, it was a girl, and I believe the other one, even though this might harm his feelings if he were to hear it, I believe that the girl played a large part in the other guy's little conversion. But, um, so they converted. They they were baptized in the church at the age of 17 and 18, and... Um, So anyway, the mission approached all of us. And with me, um, I had talked to my parents a little bit about things that I saw that were odd, mostly about their devotion to the church. I would kind of ask them, do you love me more than the church? Because sometimes when I do things that you, you know, I hang out with these other friends and you guys see the possibility that maybe they're influencing me whatever way you get so upset at me and and i and i'm just pretty much would put them to say would you disown me if i left the church but i i really wasn't wanting to leave the church at all at all um so the you big wanted to you wanted to parse their love and devotion yeah to you i i from, had to i had to know circles. if it was conditional or not yeah. yeah. yeah yeah anyway um so here's the big occurrence huge um I'm going on a mission. I didn't want to go. I was frightened out of my mind that I wouldn't be able to learn another language. My brother had gone on a mission and I was afraid that I wouldn't live up to the kind of success that he said he had. Uh, and I just didn't want to go out of the country. Um, and I just didn't want to leave for the two years. I was just frightened. I was a scared little boy. Just you were frightened. Called
0: out of, you were called out of the U.S.? Um... Or um, it was just before you'd received your call? I'll go
1: into it. I, I was called south of the border. I'm not exactly certain I want to say where.
0: Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, just...
1: But yes, but before the mission, this is what happens. I okay. I had a question, the whole, why can they tell me so much about things that are so odd? I thought, I think they're going into really detailed things. And if that's how heaven really is, okay you know I can accept it but why go into such detail about some things if they won't tell me about the temple that was that was a huge thing for me I thought I'm going to go on a mission okay but why are they so tight-lipped about the temple I didn't think that they were being cynical about it I just sincerely wanted to know why nobody would say anything um and so that was what started me I got on the internet um and I tried to learn what was going on in the temple and before
0: you before you went
1: yes okay and and obviously um and and I'm I don't know how much you're comfortable with me saying but I was shocked I was sure. absolutely shocked especially with the things that they were saying that my parents did previously that had been removed i was just blown out of my mind and i couldn't first i thought it was a lie so the second thing that i was doing was i i got the uh church sources for the you know the sacred the holy temple read that um of course it doesn't talk about anything whatever details so then i i had a car now i had a car i was a 16 year old so and i had my license so i went to Barnes and & Noble and I had them order in um, a book that now I, I whatever, I say it's sacred for me, but The uh, Mysteries of Godliness and I read it um, and that's, that's pretty much the beginning of whatever I asked my parents about it um, and their response to this day still surprises me it wasn't wrong for them, and I don't blame them for anything. It's not their fault that I left Mormonism or whatever. But uh, they just said, their basic message was, my, my my mother, understandably, just said, well, ask your dad. And uh, yeah, I'm getting emotional about it now. Anyway, my father um, pretty much discouraged me from that sort of, in inquiry or inquiry, it just didn't, didn't believe, and he voiced that he didn't believe I should be looking into that that way. Sure. Um, so anyway, I how about,
0: that did that make you feel angry? Did it make absolutely, you feel
1: sad? absolutely. Back then, I was extremely upset. Why? Because I was just, I was honestly just trying to, you know. Ask something. Why? Keep it from me. And then I found out. So then I went to people that I trusted, you know, the people that have raised me up in this. And I expected some sort of explanation,
0: just honestly, you know. And And, and, and just just to make you. Are you talking about both the connections between masonry and the temple? And the history. Also, but, Everything
1: the, that's in that book, you know. The, the, the things that have been changed, the yeah, things that have been taken out, yeah. the things that. A- were, and the morbid things. I mean, I'm a. We're a little more barbaric. Yeah. Exactly. The, okay. pr- the primitive, you know, archaic, you know, and the weird stuff, the weird, weird things, <laughs> you know, the. And yeah, the technical questions. Why did it start out as just. Not even initiatories, but just this. And then initiatories and full baths and and just... So the, prog- the progression of the ceremony over
0: time. Yeah, yeah. And how, I mean, and how did those trusted friends respond the same way?
1: Uh, well, I didn't... No, no, no. So, And some people could say this was a mistake on my part, but I did not approach anybody else. I kind of curled up into a ball regarding that and said, never mind, you know. If this is a response that I get from people that... That I love, that love me, and apparently, I think they have my best interest in mind. I better just not talk about this to anyone. I, my goodness, I didn't expect that response. You know, right. they basically said, it almost implied that I had some sort of sinning motive to try right. to answer a question. So anyway, right. Right. I felt shocked. And needless to say, I I knew what was coming, more or less, when I went into the temple. I, I mean, I envisioned it differently because I'd read it and pictured it in my own mind. And then when I went through, um, uh, gosh, I just, I don't know. And see, people that I loved, that was what was so hard, that I saw it as something so out of the ordinary, just so out of the ordinary. And people that I loved dearly, that I trusted with my life and every drip of every word that comes out of my mouth my grandmother that i talked to almost every day was a temple worker and would go every day but monday and sunday to the temple and and so these people can accept it and i just said well whatever you know it's weird and i and i specifically requested that i went to the salt lake temple for the first time because i wanted to see it live right um so then I went to the Bountiful one with the group of friends now. Yeah, they're baptized, so I went with them one time in Bountiful. Uh, I just, I would literally get sick to my stomach. Um, I would. Like in the temple, I would get sick. It was not a spiritual experience for me. And I wasn't trying to make it a bad thing. Anyway, got the mission call, extremely frightened to go. Um, it was going to be somewhere of a foreign speaking and all that other stuff. Uh, but I went, I went anyway, I pushed it into the back of my mind and I basically had the mindset of, well, I want it to piece together like they say it should. So I'm going to do it. And I left and I worked my fanny (laughs) off. I worked hard as a missionary and I learned the language not only well, but I acquired somewhat of a not an accent that would have been authentic for the country that I visited, but I guess, well, I'm, I'm still asked sometimes by people if I'm from, I don't know, Argentina or somewhere, but Mm -hmm. I worked hard and not just on the language, but I really tried to help people come into the church. And I looked, I searched all kinds of Bible scriptures that I felt I could bash with quite a few pastors, even though the need didn't come up too often, but I worked hard. Um, I got back off the mission and I'm very touchy about how much I say about this, but I encouraged my family and I took part in something that was what I call now my charity project. Um, (laughs) I don't, uh, anyway, I did something that not a lot of people would do. Um, and I was helping and, to my motive on it was to try to keep making the church be true. I thought, well, if I didn't get my the way that they want me to feel about it on the mission still, then I'll just try a charity thing and try even more and i for three years, there was this uh, <laughs> charity project is what I'll keep calling it invested lots of money into it and and anyway it the the it, oh gosh the individual that received the help <laughs> um whatever wasn't as receptive and that didn't that didn't come out on my decision for all of it but
0: i did for you for you it was an act of faith yeah sort of an act of desperation to say let's uh, let's apply the pure love of christ do something very charitable to help exactly mhm and yeah. somehow maybe the Perfect storm might converge to help jumpstart what you were trying to uh, recover as a as a strong testimony of the church. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I shouldn't even now. I won't even in, in refer to what else it was. It was it was, a, it was something that took me very far out of my comfort zone for a long time, and I invested, and not only me but my family. It, it was a it was an investment, and and I wasn't putting conditions on it for Heavenly Father saying, you know, this better go right, or else this is the last thing. But as the story turns out, that was pretty much it. Um, I helped with Sunday school classes for quite a few years after the mission. Um, did not want to get married. Anybody that I dated that wanted to define the relationship, quote-unquote, that was Mormon I just backed away from um, because I knew that they might want a marriage in the temple. And I didn't feel comfortable going there. That's for sure. Right. So I just stayed away, but I didn't really talk to anybody other than my heavenly father. And literally, I mean, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to everyone. Of course, there's valid feelings for those who think the church is true and they have their reasons. But I, I, I prayed and cried and sobbed and fasted and, and did my part to try to piece the puzzle together like they say it should. So um let me just ask you real quick, yeah
0: um, it must it must have felt uh, you must have felt incredibly alone to be to be so tormented and to be struggling so much and to not feel like you had anyone to talk to.
1: That's a good question. um I had a support system, and my family they are such good people, and no, I wasn't alone, but as far as a doctrinal issue, yeah, yeah, I was. Um, it was me and Heavenly Father, and but I wasn't alone. Um, I had what I feel is the spirit, and I I was guided out of Mormonism, and that was better for me. Um, it ends up that the story goes: I, the high school sweetheart, that I never talked to about those issues. And that I ran away from before the mission because I didn't want her um, to be, you know, wanting me right after the mission. She still um, came to me and and wanted to be with me, and she was not from Utah, but she so she had to stand up for what she believed in other places, in other states. But uh, and she went on um, a mission for a little while um she had to sh- there were sicknesses or whatever but so she came back and and uh we started to hang out but i was cautious because of what i said before and it came to a point to where i finally told her not in any detail i just said while and i was sobbing to her these are my issues you know um and i and I had studied quite a bit of church issues by then, and I didn't go into them with her in detail and so the story goes that she accepted me still and loves me for who I am, and I loved her and uh yeah, she had me go to a what I call a wannabe apologist um I met with a man in Syracuse who adamantly believes in the church, um, had time where he didn't, apparently, or not very strongly, um, and he's back in it now, believes it. He says that he does because of the geographical similarities in what he calls the Book of Mormon, the whatever, the uh, Guatemala. Um, But... uh, I hit some of his excuses about what he has to rationalize away are just out there and if he were to publish them of course he'd be in trouble with the church hierarchy but uh, those sorts of visits to people didn't do it Um, and I'd just been studying but I couldn't ever buy books my parents had thrown away the Mysteries of Godliness book Um, when I'd gotten home I had every other book but not that one and i i couldn't have books i looked on the internet for what i could find and people shunned the, the tanners and they shunned uh what's his name ed decker and i shouldn't have shunned the tanners but i did i stayed away from their information for a while but uh anyway she did not shun me my 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 current wife we got through it um we we decided that we weren't going to get married for a little while and we kind of talked and i remember one night when we understood we did want to get married was when we started talking about children and how to raise the kids and 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 we were telling each other goodbye we were saying you know we'll find the right person for you and we were kind of crying but then when we said when i told her to be a good mom to her children it didn't work it didn't come out and she started bawling and we just realized, no, we haven't envisioned anyone else raising our children and our family, and we are the ones that we always pictured to be together. Um, so I did something, and we did something. I, I, I don't regret it. I didn't see any, any value in it. It's almost like the Mormon Church doesn't see a value in a civil marriage. Um. Of course, now I don't say any value. I whoa. I take that back. Uh, I don't believe the same things that are believed, uh, the celestial bindings, that that, that that is what makes a marriage and a family be together forever. I got married to my wife um, in the LDS temple, and shortly thereafter, um, weeks actually, I wrote my resignation letter, which w- ended up being 17 pages, um and it and yeah and i threatened with some legal threats and had an attorney write a cover letter and and i was out um they a week later sent me a letter that i i find very spiritual and it's not satan <laughs> it's not satan to me I, I still love many things about the mormon church um and yet they're not doctrinal and most of them have to do with the people. <laughs> and, I, and I find the history fascinating. And I find the social factors that we were talking about at the beginning also fascinating. I think that it's a really cool psychological question to see the, the following of the Mormon church and, and the things that are what I call hidden from the general membership. Things that are excused away by other people. I mean, they say they believe in being honest. But they don't act that way. And it's scary because we're getting a younger generation coming through. The Mormon church could have what I believe they could have their, their out right now, their, their, their scapegoat. It's so perfect. They're putting in all these young authorities. They're putting in these young authorities. Have you seen it? They, they have the stake presidents and the bishops, and even some of these regional reps are so young. They're not old anymore, and what I mean by that, I don't have anything against elderly people. They're wise, and they know much more than me, but but they also are, you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That They're very, you know, you have your Spencer W. Kimball, or I'm sorry, your Ezra Taft Benson's, who couldn't get away from some of the racist feelings that he obviously had, and these younger generations that are getting put in as the church leadership can change a lot of this. They can, and I'm not saying my membership is conditional. And I would come back if it all changed. No, I would come back if I felt the church is true. Um, definitely, I'd be baptized again. Um, I haven't really said that to too many people, but I just think if they say they believe in being honest and they don't do it, they're painting themselves in a corner instead of instead of what they should be doing. You know they're 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 gonna be not only seen as hypocrites but they're really gonna be hypocrites. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know. It is so emotional for me, and it's not that I'm mad. I get more somber in my tone. I get because I feel spiritual about it, and 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 yet I still go uh, quite often to be with my wife. To the sacrament meetings that she'll attend, and and I love her, and I, and I encourage her to do what she feels is a spiritual experience for her um she's still in the church and and whatever i could lose listeners and credibility and whatever for that because oh my gosh i don't pull my wife out and how am i going to raise the kids which i talk about to her a lot but uh it's her journey and it's our journey you know it's our journey and for anyone to try to say hey Hiram you did the wrong thing by getting married and and getting out of the church you just disrespected and what were you doing Eh, it's not even their place to say I don't respect them for even trying to pass judgment on what I did I didn't didn't go in the temple and make a scene I wasn't smirking I wasn't I mean sure while I was waiting for my beautiful bride to come out yeah I was sitting in the little chair and I'd opened up to the (laughs) eternal marriage section of the Doctrine and Covenants and just reading some of the through the polygamy or whatever but also um, I felt this, that, uh, well, and I told my wife this, I guess it's personal, but I'll share it. The night of our, uh, after we were married, the honeymoon night, um, I told her that I didn't ever feel good in the temple except when I looked her in the eyes and knew that I was marrying her for her. Mm. Um, so anyway, um,
0: and, and the decision, Was the decision to to go ahead and get married in the temple, was it at least strongly just to not spoil the the event itself, the members from both sides of the family, so sort of to make it the best event possible, do it in a way that would make the most people feel good about the experience? Was that kind of what went into that decision?
1: Great question. I hope I only have to answer it once. (laughs) And I knew it was coming, and so did she, because I was telling her that I was probably going to talk to you. Um. You know, no, it wasn't just for her. Um, It was for me too, you know. I was getting out of the church. I knew it was coming. Um, You know, if the LDS church says a marriage in the temple is the culminating experience, I don't feel that I robbed it from them, (laughs) even though some people would say that. Uh, I just, I was worthy to be there in many situations i i say in all sense of the word but that i didn't believe that joseph smith was what they say he was or whatever that i don't believe their whitewash story i don't think that that was a requirement for me to be worthy to be there but um so no it wasn't just for the family it wasn't just for her um but would i have been okay with this with what they call a civil marriage oh yeah oh yeah absolutely the photography that could have
0: come could have come out
1: of that yeah (laughs) um
0: so it sounds like for you it was almost closure it was almost like a goodbye to the church in a way it was one Uh, of those things yeah it was a step towards
1: closure which sounds kind of scary and i think that my wife hearing that could feel somewhat bad at first um but no, for me, yeah, it was a step towards being being finished with it in that phase. Yeah, yep. And so. how
0: how do you feel um, spiritually now? I mean, do you tell tell us about your spiritual journey? Whether you've you know evolved, progressed, strengthened, weakened? Do you feel closer? You know, a lot. A, it's very common for people who leave the church to not just abandon Mormonism, but Abandoned beliefs in God and Christ altogether. Not mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. because I'm saying that they're sinister, but because there's so much devotion and yeah. it's it's such a charm yeah, but religion that they feel so disillusioned yeah. that they just throw it all out. So where where are you sort of on that spiritual journey or spectrum? Interesting that you asked the question. Uh well And just say whatever you're comfortable saying. I I don't know
1: No no I, I understand. I, I don't wanna lie here. Um or I don't want someone to think I'm lying. I, I want to be able to let you understand and whoever's listening that I'm trying to be as sincere as I can. I don't know how else to get this across. I do. I, I feel so spiritual. I, I feel I mean, I have literally had some of the most spiritual experiences ever now that I'm able to actually deal with myself and not only be honest with myself a lot of people could say well that's all psychology too that doesn't mean the church is false that you have a testimony that it is and you just being honest to yourself is that's what's making you feel that way could be um but no i've literally had some amazingly spiritual experiences that i feel are divine and and some and and that's a whole question that I'd probably go into on my podcast is a lot of people say, well, why can you why can't you leave the church and and leave it alone? you You always come back and they kind of have that persecution complex that makes the church true because you keep coming back and fighting against it, and it must be true then um, my dorky little podcast is not fighting against the church. How many people I'm reaching is so minuscule, but uh, and I haven't called anybody back from the place that I served a mission and told them, Hey, it's a farce, leave." <laughs> so basically the the what I'm doing it isn't just for me, I feel like i'm I want to be there for other people that that I didn't have um on that journey, you know, my goodness, if I could have had someone like you, John, you know just to just to talk about some of the issues, frankly, I was craving that, and then I got the smack down, <laughs> such a cold shoulder from from people that i understand why they did it but goodness you know so i want to be there for people that and and it's not like i want to lead everyone away from mormonism please understand that i know that it's a cult but i don't i i you know my goodness my wife is still a member of the church you know i i don't care to force everyone out um but I'm going to help you along the way if that's what you want to do. You know, I'll offer any advice or support that I can. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's. I do feel... I, I can't... Just one thing I want to tell everyone that's listening to this. I cannot imagine how to describe and do it justice the feeling that I felt when I received that letter um my goodness you know right now i just feel wow just wonderful about it i feel good and it it's not satan and it's not like i want to drink alcohol till i'm drunk out of my gourd and i want to take up smoking and i want to dump my morals out the window no i just feel good because i know i did the right thing, I not just because I feel vindicated, but yeah, I know the church is not true, um, and I had to act on that for me.
0: So, if looking looking back now, um, can you? And this is totally uh, hypothetical, theoretical, but if if certain people or if certain Things had been done differently. Can you can you imagine things that have been done differently, or, or ways that people could have acted that might have that might have changed you a little bit and oriented you less towards leaving and more towards staying? Um, this might sound,
1: uh, yay, doomsday or prophetic. No, no. Um, it might have taken me longer but sincerely i do believe i don't see necessarily the doomsday or the downfall of the mormon church although truth does prevail and it is a frightening thing that the church is doing right now it is not being honest and it is not what it says it is and i i would have seen it later you know the internet is out there and I would have seen it. I would have felt horrible about it. And I don't know how, what would have happened to my wife. And I, I see much more of a horrible outcome. Uh Oh, the cops are going outside. We might hear some sirens (laughs) anyway. uh, I see much more of a horrible outcome that would have happened if I would have come across those things before that that binding contract that I made with my wife, you know, my goodness. What if my marriage was based on the fidelity that I thought I had with an an organization that I thought I knew, you know, you see all these couples out there in Mormonism now where one couple goes X and, and and it, it's sure my wife and I, I'm not going to deny it. Um, she's open as can be, regarding the issues that i have and that i want to share but she's very strong and she doesn't put up with things that she feels about and we go through hell a lot of times um i just can't imagine though if it would have been later on in life so the truth is out there and the truth is that that the mormon church is not what it says it is my goodness you know and it's sad, it's tragic. It's just not the history that they say. I, you know, that's what's so odd to me. We, in the United States, we look at those other civilizations, and I, I don't know, I've been told that, like, what is it, Japan or China, they, they, in their history books, and especially Russia, like sometimes some of these other countries, they'll kind of edit and not tell their students the whole story and kind of make everyone else out to be villainous. And right. sure, kind America. Propaganda or Yeah, whatever. yeah, and America does that too, but not to a as a degree. You can't because it's a free society, and we understand. Yeah, you know what? Thomas Jefferson he penned the Declaration of Independence. All men are created equally. But guess what? Right down in the bottom of the of the uh, what's it called? The uh, <laughs> it in the Jefferson Memorial in D.C. You can read there. He had slaves. They aren't trying to hide it. In fact, they're putting it out there, you know, for debate. And they're saying, you know what? We'll have to deal with that issue. We'll have to resolve it. It doesn't make what we have now horrible, um, and it's not that that means that everyone has to resign their U.S. citizenship. But uh,
0: so let me. So let me. I mean, you mentioned, and I don't want to get in debate. I mean, the purpose no, no, of this yeah. is to hear you. No, no. Express, but ask. So, I mean, I, you know, I've read in the end sign where it mentions, you know, Joseph putting a peepstone in a hat, and I've, I've read in the end sign where it talks about. And I, let me interrupt
1: the, you. The, You're probably much more educated on a lot of these issues. I mean, you were mentioning to me before the podcast of a couple of books that I, my goodness, you know, I'm going to go get, and I didn't even know they existed. So, you, No, I'm just, but yeah, I'll, I'll,
0: I was just going to say, I don't. You know, you you mentioned that in the Lincoln or Jefferson Memorial that it was written kind of very small, in small print somewhere that he did on slaves and oh, it's and, not and in small if, print, it, but yeah. And, and if you and if you look at how some most kids are educated about Thomas Jefferson, they kind of hear a lot of the good and maybe not so much of the bad. Although that may be changing in recent times, but but I you know I I would say just as a matter of balance that. You can read in the ensign where the church sort of acknowledges the issues with the with the origins of the book of abraham yeah. or or you know the the a little more description around the events of uh um of the Nauvoo expositor and Joseph's martyrdom or the um, peepstone in the hat i I credit
1: where I, it's due, yeah, they They'll put in things, but have you noticed the sections that they're in? They're in the "I have a section" or "I have a question" section, and it's not anything official by the brethren. And I think, I don't know, my my malicious little comment on it is, I don't know, is that really in there for the general membership, or is that in there to appease people right. like me and the apologists that you've got to say something? Right.
0: You know, I don't know. I don't know. So, so it is. Some things are being dealt with lightly but certainly not in a broad sort of um, uh, mass-communicated mass sort of way.
1: Let's put it this way. There is a problem when all these uh, people, these older... Uh, I, I don't mean to say older, but these apostles that are... whether they're stringent in their ways or whatever, gosh, when, when their uh, continuous actions are f- hiding... You know, they just hide. They want to hide. They do. They want to hide the information. I mean, the just that they vault it all up and people can't have access. And y- I, you aren't the first person that told me that the history vaults. Of course, they don't let people in there. I mean, you can go on the, you can go on the uh, LDS.org website and see the little rules that you would have to follow if you were going to gain access to go study in some of just the ones that don't have any of the cool information. And and. I don't know. I, I literally, if, not as candid
0: as you'd like. Not as open.
1: Mm, that's an understatement. Yeah. I, I. Oh, gosh. Well, let's put it too this much, way:
0: too much control and protection of the information.
1: Let me let me ask you a question on that. Do Do you see that a person in Guatemala, maybe that you had influenced on your mission, John? Do you see them having any sort of access to to a lot of the information that the church might vaguely put out there? Do, I mean, what if they had questions? I don't believe that they would yeah. be able to even find it, you know, because yeah, it's, I- it's not. That's definitely not what's published in Spanish. You know, they don't put it out there for the general membership. That's my that's my point. When they, when they have published things on the very small issues that they have, it's been there. I, I believe at this moment, maybe that'll change, that it's just to appease the people who need it. The the general membership all over the world. There's no way that they could get their hands on that information.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I contemplate all the time the fact that blacks are being baptized every day, not not knowing the pre-1978 history and it's unfair And, and it's, it's got to it's gotta be a dynamic that at some point they, they find out from neighbors and that they, they reach this sort of crisis where they ask why wasn't I told this before that's the painting I, themselves in the John, corner John yeah. I, I believe
1: that's them painting themselves in the corner like I said okay yeah maybe a 6th grader isn't told about the Thomas Jefferson having slaves okay fine but an adult, an inquiring adult that, yeah, before they are baptized, I think it would be just fine for for them to be confronted with that information and do what they may with it, you know? At least that's honest. At least that's honest.
0: Yeah, well, I definitely share, share a desire to see more candor and more openness yeah. uh, about our history. I mean, I, most people don't know... Most people don't know the the basic mechanics by which the Book of Mormon was translated. Most people don't know how many wives Joseph had. Right. They don't well, know. Let me put the, it this the, way: the, the, the true events behind his martyrdom. Let you me know, put there's it just this way: a lot way. of very basic events that people don't know. Go ahead.
1: I, sorry to interrupt you. I just had a thought before it flees me. I'm not going to tack on. I would be baptized if they did this, or I would stop my podcast if they did this. But isn't it ironic? just picture right now Jesus, okay you remember when it's a common thing in the Mormon whatever the only time he ever got angry you know, was when they were selling stuff in the temple which is weird, why do they rent out the stupid stuff in the temple that you have to put on and all that why do they, you know, rent it out and there's money changers in our temple anyway, when he got upset okay, and he was overturning the tables and and, and got upset that they were doing things in his father's house that they shouldn't have been doing Do you think that later on in his sermons or in his encounters with anyone, any inquiring, anybody, even if it's a Pharisee, do you think if they came to him and said, Jesus, I really want to know if you are the Messiah that is is the, uh, the Messiah in the Old Testament, you know, the promised Savior of the Jews. I just have this hang up. I want you to answer for me. Did you... Get angry over in that temple. I mean, my goodness, nobody overturns tables in the Jewish temple. Nobody, that's defaming the temple. I'm not trying to be, not trying to trap you in a corner, Jesus. I'm not trying to, I just, I just want to know kind of what, what the situation was. Because of course, I mean, of course the word would have been going around that he did something like that, you know. And so what do you think Jesus would answer? Do you think he would lie? Do you think he would hide the information, or do you think he would honestly explain the circumstances, face up to what that person was asking, and let them make the decision whether they were going to follow
0: him or not? Right. Anyway. Yeah, you want to you want to think that Jesus would be completely candid and and not ap- apologetic or make excuses, but just say here's how or, it or lie. Here's why I he did
1: it. And, or lie and deny that it happened. Yeah. Of course he wouldn't do that. And and that's just it. If it's going to be, or if it is, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then we're not talking about making excuses and saying, well, the people can be imperfect. The people can be imperfect. Nuh-uh. Wait a second. If the Church is true, and it is the Church of Jesus Christ, we're in a dilemma here. It's going to have to officially act as Jesus Christ would. I mean, if he's really up there directing this thing, He's going to have it be directed in the same direction as if he would, if he were down here, right?
0: Okay, but look. Okay, but let's, for, from the standpoint of, uh, of the Bible, for those who believe oh sure, the yeah. Bible okay, like, let let's just let's just sort of go through a couple stories. I mean, okay, you know, Noah apparently Noah got drunk in the Bible. David not only committed adultery, the he had some murdered murdered, yeah. um. If, if you go to the New Testament, Judas, who was an apostle, betrayed Christ. Yeah, yeah. Peter he, yeah. denied Christ three times. Judas committed suicide. You have, you have stories of the apostles bickering and arguing between each other over who Christ loved the most. You had a, a doubting Thomas. I mean, one of the things that I think makes the Bible so beautiful is that it's just so honest and candid about the frailties and the weaknesses of men. So I guess I'm kind of drilling, pushing back a little bit on your statement that if it were God's church, um, it it would run a little bit more uh, smoothly when biblically that's sort of not necessarily supportable. According to the Bible, the church and its leaders can withstand all sorts of frailties and, and missteps, including murder and suicide, and an outright denial of of divinity, and still maintain its uh, its divinity. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and I and I feel that that would be some sort of the direction of an acceptable answer in the future that the church could give to kind of deal with this issue on the onset with somebody that just wants to ask the question, although. I go back to whatever, the conclusion that I have made of the church not being true, and, and my response to what you're saying there is, um, again, I, I go with Jesus. Um, when Jesus had questions from the Pharisees, where they tried to n- confuse him or get something out of him that was wrong, when he referred back to passages in the bible he didn't contradict himself he didn't there wasn't things that he was doing and the and the way he was leading this church or that church that were in conflict with what it should have been and now you can say, well, okay, but then he left, and he left it in the hands of men, and they aren't what the Mormon church would say, half God, divine. um, mm. And so they can goof up, and our church has goofed. Well, I kind of take the collective puzzle here. If the foundation of this church isn't what they say it is, and they say that Jesus is up there right now, right this very moment, directing this church and only this one and through this one it's going to be saved um he didn't build it so how he can be directing it now it wasn't even built on a foundation that they say it is and so if it's him it, i mean that's what it comes down to i don't i know that people people make mistakes the central issue is here if it's him directing this one then its foundations are going to be right. they're going to be what he would have done and and right. it's not even what they say it is now, and it wasn't back then it wasn't founded on 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 I don't want to use the word lies because that's so, but it it wasn't founded on deceptions of of a man from the onset it wasn't. And it wouldn't be now. So I uh, that's that's my opinion on it. I just clapped my hands. That was the weird sound. But I don't know, John. I, I know. I, I get I get the take from the Mormons. And and, and it's a debate. And, and people feel really good about where they're at. And they just can't be taken out of their comfort zone. That's just something the ex-Mormons, I guess, have over the Mormons. They've already been in that comfort zone. And a lot of them aren't... Having worse morals, it's not that like they left to do something bad. They just know something that that ended up being right.
0: <laughs> oh, I hear you. I, I I really appreciate I appreciate your willingness to be so open and candid. I and you too.
1: I, I really respect your. I, I mean, and you put up valid things that I need to study more on. And if the, if the church is true. And I've just completely ignored what you're saying that men can be erroneous and that all the apostles in the New Testament screwed up and they're fighting with each other and and I, you know, I don't take that into account saying that this church could be the same. If I'm just ignoring that and I screw up and they throw me into outer darkness for the rest of eternity, my goodness. You know, that's a serious thing. I don't, I, I understand that perspective. I, I get how serious that could be,
0: you know. Well, what a, I mean, I just have to say that what allows me to 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 uh, even have an attempt to believe in Christ, yeah, and, and in God is 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 in the the New Testament version of God and in the, the the compassion that that we learn about in the New Testament about Jesus. And I I,
1: I respect that, John. Literally, I'm not saying that as lip service. The, yeah. the New yeah. Testament Christ, I mean, he did that little, I wouldn't say what it was for whatever reasons, but my little charity project, I mean, Christ was doing that 24-7. I mean, the man was probably doing it in his sleep. He was just, you know, he's the kind of thing that everyone should aspire to be, you know? Um, yeah,
0: and what I'm getting at is, be it Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, Devout Mormon, Jack Mormon, anti-Mormon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm looking forward to that level of compassion with faith. With all of oh, us yeah. As as we're each trying to make the journey that we feel good the about the end goal, so, and that's just it. So, yeah. yeah. So I'll make. I'll I'll be the first to say I don't. I don't stand in judgment to condemn. Oh yeah. You know, for
1: their. Oh go- gosh, me either. Me either, and I, I'm not.
0: And, yeah. And my personal, my personal. Strongest desire is just to see that we can talk openly and honestly, share our views, have a forum. You know, if I was evangelist
1: th- right now, I'd jump up and. Amen, brother. Oh, hallelujah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, in the spirit of that, I just want to thank you for uh, for coming. Thank you. On Mormon thank stories, you. I want to um, one little seed. I want oh, to yeah. plant,
1: if I could, really quick. Oh, you said that you, you know, you're you're focusing on that New Testament version of of whatever. So, my little goofy seed that I would like to plant as a question, Mormonism definitely is taking a lot from the Old Testament tons does it need to be there? Did it need to come back or go away with with Christ? They take all sorts of stuff from the Old Testament. Should our focus be there or on the New Testament or all of it as a whole that 's a it 's a good thing to think about, but
0: anyway, yeah, absolutely, but anyway, sorry. Well, very good. Well, thank well, you I'm so th- much, John. <laughs> oh well, thank you. I uh, I look forward to the to the work that you guys are doing. Um, you too. We're we're taking different approaches, but I think I think one thing that unites us is again a desire for openness and candor and for truth. Yeah. In whatever form to kind of uh, to emerge in yep. the
1: conversation. And, and if you get any flack from any of the listeners of of the program that we run. Email me, and I'll give them hell. (laughs) There's another pun. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, they shouldn't criticize either. But thanks so much. My goodness, it's the wee hours of the morning, and thanks, John. You know, thank you. I'm glad there's people out there like you. I don't. I all I have is respect. If we can have you on anytime, you're more than invited. Um, And I don't want to put this off the record, but any help that I can be in your Media projects that you're doing, the slideshows, or just suggestions for feedback, let me know, man. Seriously.
0: Absolutely, and, and, and likewise. Thanks, Hiram.
1: All right, thanks you or thanks you. What the? Oh goodness, I can't <laughs> even. T-
0: yeah, let's go to bed. Hey, thanks, John. All right, All right Hiram, <laughs> we'll we'll uh, I'll just close off and and again thank thank the listeners for tuning in to Mormon Stories. Yep. Feel free to uh, email us. With your feedback on this podcast or other ones at uh, MormonStories at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a website, MormonStories.org. And, Hiram, feel free to plug uh, plug your stuff as well. Eh, who
1: cares? Yeah, the church is not true.com, whatever. Hey, thanks, John. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Hey, go, go, go get some sleep, and uh, you guys take care. You too. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, Hiram. Yep. Bye. Bye.